Hello, humans, and welcome to Sinister Soup Podcast. Today, we will be doing what we do every month and interviewing an author who has written something within the genre fiction categories. The author we speak of today is Mallory Kuhn, uh, the author of Among Thieves, a fast-paced heist medieval fantasy novel. As always, I am one of your hosts, Travis Vermolen. And I'm Clay Vermolen, the other host. And Mallory, how are you doing? Hello, hello! I am doing well. How are you guys? Great. Doing excellent. Happy to have a talented author on the show. Oh my gosh, I'm happy to be invited. This is awesome. So uh, Mallory, or should I call you MJ on here since you go by MJ Kuhn? for your books and is that coon am i pronouncing that correctly yes yeah i always say like like raccoon um but yeah i mean either one's fine mostly on the internet people you know call me mj but um both work (laughs) okay well we'll call you mj for the sake of continuity and just so uh listeners you know she'll be found uh under her name her author name mj coon so that's where you want to look for her to get this excellent book among thieves Uh, So, MJ, could you tell us a little bit about Among Thieves? Sure. So, Among Thieves, um, it is a fantasy heist story. Um, So, kind of the quick elevator pitch is um, six thieves team up to steal a magical artifact while each member of the heist team secretly plots their own betrayal. So, it's full of a lot of twists and turns and ulterior motives and you know foul-mouthed thieves (laughs) (laughs) you know i call them my murder babies i love them dearly Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so you know for for folks that are familiar with the genre uh you know it's been comped to six of crows or you know the lies of Locke lamora some of those other fantasy heist stories um for people that aren't as familiar i always just say it's um you know it's oceans 11 meets game of thrones (laughs) yeah Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah, it complements Locke Lamora greatly. I actually read the two books in conjunction, so. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was one of my really well. favorite books, and obviously Red Season or Red Skies, you know, the, the whole series, Gentleman Bastard series. Um, but the, the Lies of Locke Lamora was one of my favorite books when I was in high school, and uh, it is definitely one of my inspirations for writing Thieves. That's awesome. Yeah. You talk about your murder babies. I, <laughs> I, I was very curious while reading it. I get I, my guess would be Raya, but who was your first like recruited murder baby, and who was the last one to join the team in your in your head cannon? Ooh, that is actually a very good question. So yeah, Raya was the first, uh, and I actually uh, stole her from another project I'd written, or parts of her at least. That, you know, that other project just didn't quite work out, but I really liked this one side character I developed for it. Uh, so I decided to give her the spotlight, <laughs> mm-hmm. move her into a new world <laughs> and create a whole story uh, around her. So yeah, Raya was definitely first. I think the last addition to my team may have been Nash, which is funny because she's also uh, my secret favorite. I say Nash is my secret favorite, but then I keep Uh saying it, so it's not that secret. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Worst kept secret ever. Uh, But yeah, I think Nash sprang into my mind the latest of Mm -hmm. the drafting process. Oh, nice. I find that in my own writing too, like sometimes the characters that just sort of pop up as you're writing end up being like my favorite characters to write is that sort of how it worked with nash 
I think so. And you know what? It kind of makes a lot of sense, right? Because I'm a big time plotter, so I like to plan out stuff. But I do also, you know, follow the story where it goes if it's really pulling me in one direction. So it kind of makes sense that the favorite characters would be the ones that popped up because they're maybe the ones that, you know, the story gave birth to more than were planned, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun and like one of the most magical things about writing, I think. So. Mm-hmm. I love that part of the process where like you're writing and like you're in the in the flow, you know, and then a character just sort of shows up and you're like, I guess I guess this is a big character now. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, you know, to be around for a minute, but I kind of I'm digging your vibe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's always fun. Yeah. Um, so I thought that I really liked your magic system, actually. Um, on the terms of like character creation, uh, how did you come up with the idea of the guild and the adepts and the censors? Did you draw from some other magic system inspirations or where did the, those ideas and concepts come from for you? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. So I, I definitely am a big fan of borrowing from projects that I've written that didn't work out. Uh, I, I've already mentioned mm-hmm. that I borrowed parts of Raya's character. Uh, And then from a different project that didn't work out, (laughs) I borrowed uh, the magic system. So originally in that project that hadn't really worked, magic was based on the five senses. So there were a bunch of different magics that don't end up, you know, making the page in Among Thieves. Uh, and I think that old project, you know, the I liked the gimmick of the basing it off the senses more than I actually liked how it was working. So when I adapted it for for this project, I just kind of was like, okay, you know what? Let's. I think there's something here. You know, like ooh, we're like we got something going, but let's let's really examine what's working, which pieces of the magic system we you know need to keep on the page, and which ones are kind of just extraneous. Um, which was how I kind of ended up with just the two different um, types of magic. For the guilds and the like political piece of how it works and like this really screwed up world, um, which, you know, folks who who haven't picked up the book yet, you know, the world is based where anyone who is born with magic is basically brainwashed and enslaved. It's horrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I think, you know, that stems from a kind of pessimistic view of humanity uh, that, you know, it's been a rough couple years. I think we all maybe have had moments of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. It's been, it's been a journey. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just had trouble believing that if there was a world where some people had magic and some didn't, that they would just live side by side peacefully. And so, you know, what would happen if the non-magical were able to subjugate the magical? Um, and that's kind of where the idea of the guilds were, you know, came from. Yeah, it is like a, a really cool system with the, I mean, cool in the sense that like it's well-written and very fun to read. It's a dark system and I love it. Um, <laughs> but like having the the sort of ownership of those with magic and like how they other the adept. I really enjoyed the language you used in like everyone but Raya refers to the adept as it. Yeah. And it's like, that really speaks to what that society is kind of just letting happen of this othering of these magical people. Like they are still people, but as soon as they see them with like the hollow look, like you said, they just become it. But Raya, for reasons, I'm sure no spoilers for those who <laughs> haven't read it, like doesn't. And I think that's a, that was a really cool expression of both her character and an expression of the society. I'm so glad that you think so. And I was, I was hoping folks would pick up on that. It's actually funny. It came up during copy edits where 
the, the, the team at my publisher was like, um, is this incorrect? I think that, you know, she's calling them, you know, he and she and the, the everyone else calls them it. And I was like, no, 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 leave that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, no, <laughs> that must stay. Yes, that's mm -hmm. non-negotiable. <laughs> so a kind of dark question for the dark themes. If you had an adept, what what do you think you would do with one? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know this is such a tough question because like And you, you don't get to say I wouldn't have an adept. Oh that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say like, I know I wrote this book and like I made up this concept of magic, but like the whole concept of it just like makes my skin crawl. Uh, <laughs> so okay, let's see. No, I know that I, I could know what I would do if I was an adept, you know, I would mm -hmm. I would like play it low key and like pretend like I wasn't magical. And then like in a moment of emergency, like bam, now super speed comes out. Um, <laughs> but okay, if I have to have an adept, I have to have one. Oh, Your publisher please. won't let you write any more books. They won't, yeah. <laughs> Unless you. Hostage and I must have an adept. I don't know, I could like, you know, have, I, I would just have a, a buddy and they could be like my bodyguard, but like we'll be friends too. So I want a kinetic mm. and then, you know, maybe I don't feel scared walking alone at night. <laughs> that's there good. You go. That's a fair use. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. I'll, I'll, we'll accept that. <laughs> Thank we'll accept you. That. Um, well, I'm going to ask you this question. It kind of goes back to the character development thing, but I was going to ask you who your, who your secret favorite character was. <laughs> now we know. So if you were like a scurvy lowlife in your own universe... Do you think you would be like a smuggler pirate type like Matt, like Nash or what gang would you swear allegiance to? Do you think that is a super good question? And like, let's first of all, not suspend as much of reality and say that if I, as I currently exist, was dropped onto the docks of Kerouac, I would definitely be dead within like half an hour. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, fair. Like, let's be real. But like, let's yeah. pretend, let's pretend that I'm, you know. <laughs> not a you know a big wuss like i am in real life i feel like i i'm afraid of water so i don't think i could be a smuggler <laughs> like nash i don't think that would work out well for me maybe you know exposure therapy it would be good for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i feel like i would probably be more like a lesser con artist like tristan in the book so like you know picking pockets maybe stacking the deck at a few card games but like nothing murdery uh, <laughs> and I think that uh, if I had to join one of the gangs, so we've got the three gangs in Kerouac, we have, you know, we have the Harpies, we have the Kestrel Crowns, and we have the Saints of the Wharf, which are our main cast is all in the Saints. Um, I swear I could not be in the Saints because Clem freaks me out too much. Uh, <laughs> I'm too afraid of Clem. And then like Harlow Finn, the leader of the Harpies, is like a little too small time. I feel like I would end up with the crowns and hanging out with Wyatt Asher and his birds. <laughs> mm -hmm. I liked that addition to Wyatt Asher's character like this. <laughs> I had too much fun with it, honestly. <laughs> There's no such thing as too too much fun with an antagonist. Right? They are like always one of my favorite you know, things to write or like when I get to write, you know, in some of my other projects, I have like a lot of viewpoints from the bad guys and mm -hmm. those chapters always flow the easiest. And I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree with that in the sense of like, I've always, when I watch movies and weirdly, particularly like Disney movies, 
sometimes I think they're only as good as like the antagonist. Yeah. I don't know why so much for Disney, but like I remember the last one I watched was like Princess and the Frog, and I was so just enthralled by that. Like first animated movie I liked in forever. Oh my gosh, yeah. Doctor Vasilier is a cool villain. Such yeah. a good villain, and Super it just raises cool the stakes. So you're like, okay, I'm in this story now because there's actually like some like you know panic in this main character trying to get away from this very terrible person. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some skin in the game right up front. Oh, mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> And that, I really appreciated your early introduction of, it's Callum, right? I'm saying yes. that correctly. Because you automatically get that. I mean, like, he's part of the main crew, but I just, like you say, the skin kind of crawls and you're like, oh, this guy, not good. Like, <laughs> and they're working for him. That scares me even more. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Callum, Clum, like most of my cast, you know, not that, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to spoil anything and say, you know, these people are redeemable and these people aren't but like I feel like for most of my cast I tried to be like oh well you know they're bad guys but like they're bad guys but like Clem is kind of like no he's a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) we are afraid of Clem (laughs) yeah I mean there's a difference between uh it's like uh I don't know if you've ever watched Better Call Saul oh I Uh, haven't yet I've heard it's so good though yeah there's a great monologue in there from Mike and he's like a thug character for those of you who don't know he's like a uh, hitman kind of character but he has a great monologue about how good and bad is subjective and you can do you can be good or bad on either side of the law and uh breaking bad and better call Saul are both shows where that's very like a very apparent thing you know people are human whether they follow the law or not right. doesn't make them bad but being like a slimy backstabbing conniving power hungry person does make you bad (laughs) right that's not good on either side of the law yeah (laughs) i felt like um your crew it'd be like what it'd be like to work for like peter baelish in game of thrones i'm so callum clem reminds me of him pleased because it's so funny i said for the game of thrones fans in the house i know everyone's gonna hate me when i say this peter baelish was my favorite character no, oh, he's great. Yeah, not that I think he's like a good guy. Like, I don't want to go like hang out with him. But like, mm-hmm. when he shows up on the screen, you know something is gonna go down. Like, mm-hmm. he's fascinating mm-hmm. in that way. And I am beyond honored that you think I may have uh, gotten a little bit of that energy at least with Clem. He oh, definitely for sure they both i feel like both those characters do that like like you said if little finger is on screen it's like okay he's up to something right like big. now what <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and callum Clem's the same way like if he's in the room then it's an important room to be in you right know? and that was cool i wanted to to circle back you mentioned a couple times that you like took different parts of this novel from previous projects that didn't work out so when did you really start writing and like why fantasy has it always been fantasy? Yeah, so it's definitely always been fantasy. I can say that for sure. So <laughs> I've gravitated toward fantasy since childhood. I read the Redwall books by Brian. Oh, Pratt. yeah. Yes. When I was like, I don't know, fourth grade, somewhere in there. And I never looked back like, you know, I'll read other stuff and I, I like to read, you know, widely, but you know, Redwall was followed quickly by some Diana Wynne-Jones and then, you know, Dragon of the Lost Sea by Lawrence Yep, if you remember those books. Um, and I just like spiraled into an obsession that is still very much part of my life from there. So yeah, I, I always wrote little stories and stuff and they were usually fantasy based. 
Um, I didn't start actually like trying to be a writer until after college though. So Thieves is actually like the fifth or sixth book I've written, uh, depending on how we count. Like there was one book that was like really two other books that I smashed together and that didn't work either. So <laughs> number five or six, I think I alternate when I'm talking to people about which one I say it is. But yeah, I started writing it in 2016. So okay. it's been, uh, you know, it's been on the docket for a while. And uh, I was already actually deep in the query trenches trying to get an agent by the time I started writing Thieves, but with other projects that were terrible and didn't get picked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but while I was writing Thieves, I actually did get signed with my wonderful agent uh, on a totally different project. And um, that project also didn't sell. Publishing is like a long process, friends. Mm. Uh, for I'm sure that like, half the authors that have been on here have said something similar. It takes like a really long time and you got to just be patient. And I am not good at being patient. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we, we ended up pulling that other project after like about a year and a half on submission with nothing happening. And um, then we put Thieves on sub and it sold actually like really quite fast, um, which I feel like is like a good sign. Made me feel like, okay, I made the right call, switching it up. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, now here we are. <laughs> it's actually on shelves. Yeah, it sure is. It's on a lot of shelves and it's mm -hmm. uh, got really good placement on those shelves too i hope so, so yeah. yeah say anytime i see like someone sends me a picture of it at a bookstore they're like oh you're probably getting sick of seeing these like no i will never get sick of it <laughs> anyone ever wants to tag me in a picture of it in the wild please do <laughs> yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome well congratulations on finally selling publishing is brutal and slow and it is an arduous trek for sure Yes, it's worth it, though, for anyone out there that's, you know, currently stuck in one of the many sticking points in the process. I have felt your pain for many years. <laughs> and uh, it's worth it when you get to the to the whatever. I don't think this is the finish line. I don't know if there is a finish line because uh, there's always the next book. Right. But um, yeah, keep keep trucking, guys. You got this. <laughs> Good advice. I think that's pretty much the only way to get published, honestly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I read somewhere once, and this was when I was still querying, that uh, the only published authors are just the writers that didn't give up. Like, that's literally it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just takes, you know, yeah, you got your overnight success stories, the people that genuinely do sell their very first book they write, and it sells super fast. And But that's the rarity. Like, those are the rare cases. So, you know, any writers out there, if that's not your story, don't be discouraged because there are not very many people that that is their story. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing we've talked about in previous interviews and something I think you really excel at is like self-promotion. Because, I mean, I reached out to you through TikTok and your your video game, if you like this video game, read this book, is so cool and so unique. What made you come up with that idea? Yeah, that's thank you, by the way. And yeah, if anyone wants to come hang out with me on TikTok, it's a fun, it's a fun place. It's a, a very nerdy intersection, like you said, of video games and books. You know, I just kind of on a whim decided to throw a video like that out there. And the first one I did was uh, The Last Watch by JS Dews, which if you haven't read it yet, uh, anyone, you guys or the listeners, check it out. It's fantastic. Um, and I comped it to Mass Effect, one of my favorite video games mm. of all time. Mm -hmm. And like, it just went crazy. Like I was shocked about how many people were, you know, 
it was resonating with folks that also are nerdy and all the same ways I'm nerdy. Like how perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's been really, really fun to, to meet a bunch of new people that just love the same cool nerdy crap that I love. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been really, it's been really great and interesting and unexpected, um, but I'll take it. <laughs> That's great to yeah. form that kind of community for sure. Right. Social media is not all bad. <laughs> it yes. has its dark sides, but there's good stuff too. <laughs> it has its purpose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, I think it is about time that we give the audience a taste of Among Thieves since we've talked it up so much. So I am going to read an excerpt from that book right now. All right. There were guards nearby. Raya could smell them, and not just because they stank of wine. She ducked into an archway, pressing her back against the stone and holding her breath. They clanked past in neat rows, long, thin swords dangling from their belts, purple tunics swaying in the foul summer breeze. Members of the Needle Guard, the king's private army. They turned south, no doubt, heading towards the slum where the Festival of Felice raged on. North of the trade docks, the city was quiet. The nobles of Kerouac didn't worship the goddess of luck. For them, the festival was more of an inconvenience than a celebration, a nuisance, a distraction. In other words, it was exactly what Raya had been waiting for. After all, it wasn't as though she could just stroll in through the Bobbinfort's front gate. The southern wall of the fortress was less than a stone's throw away, a 30-foot vertical with only the tiniest of handholds. She looked sternly at her fingers, dark eyes flashing. You lot up for this today? Her fingers didn't answer, but she didn't need them to. This wasn't the first time she'd made this climb. If Callum Clem had his way, she doubted it would be the last time either. And if there was one thing she had learned in the past year, it was that Callum Clem always had his way. Black fabric billowed out behind her like a silken shadow as she pulled herself up stone by stone with unnatural speed. The muted strains of off-key fiddle music from the celebration to the south were punctuated by the slight scraping of sharpened steel knocking against the wall. Patience, loves, she murmured to the half-dozen axes lining her belt. You'll get your chance, don't worry. Guards fidgeted on top of the wall, some six inches above her. She paused, lightly sniffed the air. Two of them sniffed again, one five paces to her left, the other twenty or more to the right, if she wasn't mistaken. She chuckled silently to herself. Raya was never mistaken. If she was, she would be rotting in one of the guildmaster's cells by now. A colorful burst of light illuminated the sky, and Raya was on the move again. The firework faded to ashes in the seconds before the next burst of color. She vaulted over the wall, sprinted across the ramparts, and dropped over the opposite side, scurrying like a spider down into the courtyard below. The guards fidgeted with their armor, hiding their yawns behind gauntleted hands as the light show went on, blind as desert moles. Though, that might be an insult to the moles. Raya pulled a bundle of leaves from the pocket of her cloak. They looked dull in the silvery light of the moon, but she knew in daylight they were vivid green. Outside the bobbin fort, there was only the needle guard to contend with. Inside, things got a little more complicated. The cloying taste of lemon burst on her tongue as she popped the leaves into her mouth. She wrinkled her nose. 
Disgusting, yes. But if it were any weaker, it would be more useless than a longsword in a tavern brawl. Anything less overpowering than lemon balm would be hard-pressed to throw off the nose of a lapdog, let alone a proper adept censor. Hopefully, she wouldn't run into either. She slunk forward a few steps, pausing behind a statue of Declan Day. Her fingers danced over her throwing axes as she studied the castle, bathed in the light of the fireworks. One, two, three windows over, one floor up. She gave a feral smile. The southern-facing window swung open, no doubt flooding the room inside with the scents of piss and fish. Kerouac perfume, as the foreign sailors like to call it. This was going to be even easier than she'd hoped. But just then, the scent of stale urine vanished, replaced by a violently different odor. Mulched earth, decay. A horribly familiar creeping rot that sent her nostrils itching and tingling. Raya froze and sank in a crouch her right hand drifting up to grasp one of the long-handled hatchets strapped across her back. It was coming from the east. She dropped her hand, melting back into the shadow of the statue. Not two seconds later came the sound of hushed voices echoing from the east end of the courtyard. Sending me along with the party going to the auction. You know what that means, one voice was saying. Male. He sounded like a weasel. Or maybe a snake. Either way, the fact that he sounded like anything at all meant that the people entering the courtyard were not adept servants. A good sign. She could see them now, one tall and thick, one short and slight. The short one whipped around to face the other. Female. A shock of braided red hair caught the moonlight. I know drinking wine before your shift is against protocol, the woman answered coolly. Oh, come on, Evelyn. I've heard the stories. All bets are off, Gerald said, Weaselmouth continued. He sidled closer to Red, reaching for her waist. Raya slid around the statue just a few steps towards the castle wall. Then she'd be out of sight for good and those idiot guards would never even be aware of her existence. The distinctive ping of metal on metal rang out as Red poked a needle-thin blade into the man's shoulder plate. Have you forgotten who you're talking to, Maxwell? She asked. You could always check with my old bunkmates from the South Barracks if you need a bloody refresher. Raya stifled a laugh as Red rammed her elbow into Maxwell the Weaselmouth's gut. She reluctantly turned away from the show. Twice the entertainment factor of those half-assed productions the Harpies put on at the Kerouac Fair. Maybe these nobles and their hired swords were good for something after all. She latched onto the stone wall, skittering up the side of the castle. She paused just beneath the open second-story window, listening. Nothing but deep, even breathing, punctuated by snores so loud she was surprised she hadn't been able to hear them outside the fort wall. Another burst of color and light lit up the sky as she slipped into the room, casting her shadow over carpeting that probably cost more than half the slats in the lottery. A few sputtering candles burned in their spun glass wall sconces, dimly lighting the massive four-poster bed along the back wall. On top of the bed lay what looked like a lumpy net full of dead fish. The lumpy net, of course was a Freynalthea, son of the Queen of Dresdel's sister and a lesser prince of the far southern kingdom of Brielle. Raya didn't really give two shits who he was. Clem's orders were always stunningly clear, and they didn't tend to include titles and honors. She stalked towards the room, sliding one of the hatchets from her back, twirling it excellently between her fingers. Thin leather-wrapped handle, slender razor-sharp bit. Was it normal to be attracted to a weapon? She was only kidding, of course. Mostly. Faster than Efrain could blink his wine-bleary eyes, Raya was upon him. The bit of her hatchet tickled the rolls beneath his cleft chin. 
You'd have to be even dumber than you look to scream, she said. You see, you might startle me, and when I'm startled... She dragged the sharp edge lightly across his throat. Not enough to draw blood, just possibly enough to draw urine. Afrain nodded hurriedly, and Raya pulled back with a smile. She strode calmly towards the spindly table on the far side of the room, then sniffed a flagon of blood-red wine. Undoubtedly brillish. Didn't smell rank enough to be gildish. She wrinkled her nose and reached for a chunk of bread instead, tearing into it as she turned back to Afrain. You've been in the city a few weeks now. I take it you know who I am. She gave another lupine smile, flashing her hatchet towards his watery eyes. Her face was completely hidden by the shadows of her hood, but her weapons had a reputation of their own. After all, the Butcher of Kerouac hadn't earned her title by handing out bundles of daisies and kisses on the cheek. He sputtered as he caught sight of the markings on the blade in the low light. Raya tutted softly, pacing back toward him. Looks like Felice's luck is not smiling down on your pampered ass tonight, eh? That was an excerpt from Among Thieves by M.J. Kuhn. So, MJ, thank you again so much for coming on the show um, and for writing this fantastic book. Uh, it was an amazingly fun read. It was super fast-paced. Definitely just one of the one of the faster, easier, more fun uh, fantasy books I've read for a very long time. Pro probably since Lies of Locke Lamora, honestly. So, again, thank you so much for, for writing that. Uh, to anybody who loves thieves and assassins and pirates and heists all set in a fantasy world this is definitely the book for you mj what's next for uh lovers of your work yeah well first of all thank you guys so much for inviting me on and for all your really nice words about my book i appreciate it i'm so glad you enjoyed it what's coming next for me a tbd right now so uh, i have several projects in the works and uh I will be announcing what is next on my social channels whenever I am able to. <laughs> Fantastic. So social channels, uh, where can we find you, MJ? Where is the best place for us to uh, look for that new content and yeah. those updates? So I am a proper millennial and I am everywhere. Um, so <laughs> you can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, the handle is going to be at MJ Kuhn books, all one word. Um, and then also my website is just www.mjkuhn.com. Um, so, and all my social links are there too. And obviously any announcements, um, events, stuff like that will be listed on my website as well. Excellent. And we'll share all those links down in the description of the episode as well, so that you don't have to go uh, searching them out. It should be easy to find. Um, MJ, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Uh, thank you for writing an excellent book. And uh, I hope we can talk to you again someday. This yeah, is a lot of fun. You. Yes. Thank you, MJ. Thank you so much for having me. And this has been great. And I would love to, to chat again in the future. <laughs> well, next time, you, uh, next time you publish a book, we'll, we'll talk. Love it. <laughs> That'd be great. Thank you.
Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. All right, listeners of Sinister Soup, thank you so much for tuning in this month for our featured author, MJ Kuhn. Make sure to go get her book, Among Thieves. It really is an extremely fast-paced, fun, and excellent fantasy heist novel. That'll do it. That's a podcast. That's uh, a podcast. We're going to sign off here. I have been Clay Vermolum. And I have been Travis Vermolum. And we are both still those people. Bye. Bye.